scent gives birth to love and life. We foster passion to grow geniuses which lift humanity. And tailor technology to preserve liberty in balance with nature. Welcome, Welcome to Radical. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being here. I know I owe you guys an extra show this week, so uh, I'm going to get on that. This this show that I'm about to bring you, uh, this was meant for Friday. I did the reading and everything on Friday uh, and just got super busy. And sometimes you just got to get busy with your family. And they wanted to go see the new Guardians movie, which uh, if you're a fan of marvel and all that fun stuff man we had a great time i gotta tell you it's if you're into that kind of stuff and you like the guardians movies to begin with they're some of my favorites uh the, the music is amazing uh it's a just a, a good uh I, it's a good movie that just brings everybody together the character development in it is, is is awesome so yeah my family wanted to go see it on friday so i was like all right i guess we're going so uh, i had got done with the reading and we went and i didn't come home uh, until later that night, and I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna keep this family thing going, and it's okay, guys." Like in this day and age, if you can make time for your family, uh, and have just just that time that you'll never get back. I mean, you're never ever ever gonna regret spending time with your kids later on in life. Trust me. Like if you if you're one of those guys that's young and growing up, and you got kids or thinking about having kids. Think about making sure that you have time to do things with them before they're before they don't want to do stuff with you because I think that happens fast. I mean, my oldest right now is about to turn twelve, and I know more and more and more. You know, that's just the way of nature. Is there's going to be more of him wanting to do things on his own or with other people outside of his family? So, you know, I I try you know as much as I can, and you cannot. Uh, you cannot slow that down. What you can do is try to spend some time. So that's what I did. I spent some time with my family and uh, I loved it. Absolutely. We'll never forget it and had a, had a great day. So with that in mind, um, let's get through the admin stuff real quick. If you, if you love the show and you want to support it, you can support it through cash app right now. I'm actually opening up some lightning uh, network uh, nodes and everything for you guys to support everything through. But for right now, um, you guys can go out there and support it through cash app. The cash tag is Shane Hazel. So if you have cash app or any of those, you can send uh, cash over there and I'm going to be putting up the, the lightning address on the website here very soon. So thank you to everybody who has sent over some sats or some Bitcoin or some dirty fiat that I can turn into Bitcoin. I really appreciate all that. Um, secondly, this weekend, Saturday, is the Great Create down in Perry, Georgia. It is the greatcreate.org is the website. I'll be speaking down there along with a bunch of other great people. Uh, I think Reed Coverdale is coming into town. Uh, amongst another lineup of just really solid libertarians that are out there. And uh, I think there's going to be at least two talks on Bitcoin. So if you guys are interested, Perry, Georgia, Saturday, actually Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, is the event. TheGreatCreate.org is where you can find tickets. I will be speaking and hanging out. Uh, I will be speaking on Saturday, but I'll be hanging out Friday evening and Saturday. So going to be very busy. And then if you guys are going to Miami for the Bitcoin um, conference, 
2023 conference. I will be down there as well. If you need to get in touch with me, uh, there's a number of ways. Would love to meet up or see anybody who's down there. Uh, we've got lots planned. I think there's a range day planned for the 16th, the day before everything opens up with SWAN, uh, which I will be a range safety officer at and doing some instruction. So if you'd like to come to that, uh, get in touch with the SWAN team. I think Alex Stanzik is running uh, or heading that up. He's only got a few more slots. So uh, you can definitely uh, come over to that and then go to the Bitcoin conference. If you've never been to one, oh, it's it's a great conference. There's uh, some amazing panels. There is great music. The scene is one of love. It's you know it's it's, it's very reminiscent of what happened in the late 60s and 70s with the hippie movement. Only this time, these guys are actually building something from the ground up with with Bitcoin. You know, obviously technology wasn't there. But that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today, too. And I think it's a great segue is, you know, this this idea that we're going to have a economic revolution in this country without having a spiritual revolution in this country is it has been on my mind as well. Uh, ever since I started trying uh, psychedelics, um, and, and for me, I've only tried a few. Like I've I've tried some, um, uh, obviously THC through cannabis. I have done uh, enough of psilocybin now to you know way over the heroic dose. The heroic dose is like five grams. So um, to to really see what is what's there, what's entailed in it, and you know, have really built. This, uh, this new operation that I'm standing up, Brave, uh, the post-traumatic stress mission around this, it is, it's done wonders for me. It's done wonders for guys that have taken out. I think it's one of those, one of those things that if you, if you need to fight some things um, and get some things through your system, like the spirituality thing, I think it's, it's one of those just amazing tools that is natural, non-addictive, uh, and is going to show you some things that you cannot experience in any other way. And then uh, DMT, and I only have just a little bit of experience with DMT, but um, DMT, you know, for me, I don't know, maybe it wasn't my thing. Um, I didn't, <laughs> I've, heard some, I've heard some other people talk about DMT, like, yeah, man, DMT once and you're done. Uh, and that's kind of all you ever wanna do. Uh, you know, just some, some crazy, uh, experiences and trips from DMT, but there's, there's, there's so much out there. Ayahuasca is out there. Um, there's a couple other, you know, natural plants that, you know, that, that have psychedelic effects. And I obviously recommend, uh, you find shamans and you do this with people that you know, uh, and trust in a space that, uh, is, is, is comfortable to you. And I highly recommend nature, uh, being alone and still, um, those things, but yeah, to get back to, you know, kind of why I, I thought this was going to be it. Like I, I didn't want to do a show this week I, on, on everything that's going down. Jesus. I mean, I, I talk enough about this and we'll get back to it, but to, to give this show a little more variety and, and to really have you guys understand what I'm thinking about, what I think the world needs more than anything right now. Um, yes, we do need a, a new means of transaction, but we also need a, a better way, a new way for our generation uh, to come together spiritually. And I don't think that's the church. And a lot of people may have problems with that. But I will tell you right now, when I look at the church in America, I don't see it. 
I what I do see, I see these mega buildings with these mega populations that get together and sing kumbaya music, and nobody is fighting anything. You know that that's that's not what I I don't know. That's not what I thought. You know when I was growing up that Christianity was supposed to be. I thought the church was supposed to be there not only as, you know, a a spiritual type of guide, but to to to, to really kind of weigh in on, you know, th- what they thought. You know, you have elders and and people that, you know, wh- whoever, you know, whatever they call these people inside of, you know, your your specific cult. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, but literally, like that's that's what that's what religion is. And everybody thinks that, you know, hey, you know, I've got it right this way, or you know, this is this is the way, and man, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't think that that's actually correct. I think that there's so many different ways to come to this understanding of you know the, the, the death of ego, the giving of oneself, the the understanding that we are the universe manifested. And I don't think a lot of people think of it that way. Uh, to, to see something that you are a part of and not only a part of, but built from to, 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 to understand how significant you are in this universe and what your role is here is something that I, I think really goes almost lost and the church doesn't do anything for this. I don't see churches out there. I mean, you know, there's a couple of them, but they are shunned. They are called cults. They, you know, and especially here in the South, man, like if you, if you have people that are talking about including psilocybin or any other psychedelic into some sort of service that's done by an organized religion, well, man, Call me up and let me know. I would love to have that conversation and possibly see what you guys are doing, because I don't. I don't see it. I, I don't see the church really getting involved in society other than in this very, very removed, very secular type of way that has just become absolutely neutered from our society. I, I, I don't see it, and it's probably one of the biggest reasons why I left organized religion as, as long ago as I did, because I thought it was useless. You can get together and you can be together and you can have great conversations with people that are doing life together. Like that's not what I'm pissing on here. It's, it's not the people of the organizations. It's the leaders. The, The leaders of most churches are feckless. A lot of them are frauds. A lot of them just want your money. And I don't know, like for me, I don't find spirituality in a building, especially now after, you know, having these extremely spiritual events in my life because of, of psychedelics, of meditation, of being still, of being in nature, of being grounded. And I say the very specifically, the church is not doing these things, to my knowledge. Not not here in, in America. In the Western sense, it's not. And I think a lot of it puts to shame some of these practices because what it does is if if you were to take people in a church and replace their communion 
with a magic mushroom or a hallucinogenic psychedelic wine and you actually facilitated experiences, the, the amazing revelations, revolutions, the, 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 the change in our society that I think you would see would be so damn profound and overnight, fast. There's so much that happens with this kind of stuff. I mean, your, your sense of openness is, is, is so much greater it breeds empathy. Once one thing our society needs a ton of right now. There's there's this, you know, when when you're consuming this these substances, there's this hyper connection that can last for a long time. A lot of people will only do this kind of stuff maybe possibly once a year, maybe less. It's the, the impact is is just insane. Uh, there's, there's a good article over on MonroeVolivar.com uh, just to kind of you know touch on this. The, the openness, the extroversion, uh, the consciousness, the ability to be somewhat agreeable. Like I think I think that one's so important. And then in our society, so many times, man, People are just itching to pull the trigger and just slam somebody in the face rather than actually just listen to them and consider where they're coming from, whether you agree or disagree with them, right? Like you could, you can disagree with people and not say shit sometimes. You can absolutely, you know, hey man, as long as he's not hurting anybody, I don't give a damn what he's doing. I really don't care. But that's, that's not what I think the position of churches should be. I don't. I, I think in this day and age, I think there's a fight that's coming, and I think the churches are on the side of this very wicked, plutocratic type of society that's that's been, I don't know, shoved down our throat. I just, I don't know. So, the, the, first of all, the sense of openness. A this the second one would be a fight against addiction. This is this is really something that I find very interesting. And I don't care what you're addicted to. I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's like narcotic type of drugs. I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's porn. I don't care if whatever it is. This has the ability to help you, especially if you go in with intention to fight against these addictions. It says here, it says addiction can be a result of overconsumption of any substance. And that's anything for your mind. And, 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 you know, a lot of this is just vibration. I talk about that all the time. People usually form addictive patterns when they consume alcohol, nicotine, or other harmful substances. The, the understanding of the, the research that's going on is this magic mushrooms helps fight against things like this. Psilocybin helps fight against this routine overconsumption of a substance. Think about that. That's neuroplasticity. And it's going to talk about it in this article. It's going to talk about going down a hill over and over on a sled. You can't get out of some of those ruts eventually. Flattening the snow again so that you can make new connections and go in different places and different routes. That's, that's how it fights against addiction. Reduced anxiety and depression. Boy, do you think we need some of that in this day? 
to, to, to think that people with records amounts of debt that have probably lost a job, maybe two, three that are probably on the verge of financial bankruptcy, uh, that I, I don't know, like the past few years has been pretty tough for a lot of people. I'm, I mean, it's, it, we're, we're in a, we're, <laughs> we're in a weird time. There's no stability. And the fact that you've got a lot of people who are fighting against people that think about freedom, that just want to be left alone, that don't believe in tax, that don't believe in centralization, that don't believe that they need to submit to other people, especially when they're peaceful people, right? Like if you can reduce your anxiety and depression, what, what can you do? You can free up your mind and do creative things, which I got to tell you, creative creativeness is what we need desperately in situations that we're in now economically. That's what you need personally. It's what your family needs. It's what your community needs. It's what everybody needs. They need creativeness. People who are figuring it out in bad times. Next, they talk about having a grounded ego. A grounded ego in terms of like you're connected to other people. Basically, you know, you're the universe incarnate, and it's having experiences through all of these different people all at the same time trying to figure itself out so it can do better, bigger things for humankind. So that empathy that I talked about, letting go of your own ego, that that spirituality, belonging, connecting with new people. And I know it's a lot of a lot of people right now, they don't want to connect with new people. I get that too. I get it. I do think though, and I, I will tell you, one of the reasons why I found it brave was to take this to more and more and more people. I guess in the back of my brain so that I could meet more people. So I could spread this idea, this spread this, this gift that was given to me, to other people, to ground people. Man, what, a, what an amazing and profound use of your time on this planet to help other people become more accepting, to help them become more peaceful, to have them open their minds. Man, hell yeah, let's go. Creative personality. I've already kind of talked creativeness. Having a creative personality in this time might be one of your biggest assets ever. Really, just, just in general, whether it's a good time or bad time, having creativeness just kind of flow out from you that you can't get it down on paper or video or audio fast enough to share, man, that it would have, yeah, that, that's, that's a good thing. And being spiritually open. And I think I kind of talked about this. There's, there's some between being spiritually open and, and regeneration of neuron growth. I mean, that's near and dear to me. Like there's, I've got, you know, some people in my family, that uh, that suffer from those things, and you know, to to understand this better before you know helping them, man, what a what a what a great gift for me, uh, being spiritually open to to seeing more than what you've ever been told about by uh, people that just live in the building, right? Go see the universe on a on a real trip on something that God made for you to consume. Let me, let me know about that. Let me know when you get a, like that glimpse of what 
three, four, five, seven, ten grams of psilocybin does for you. Let me, I don't know that you're ever going back to a church ever again, unless you're going very like, Hey, you want to go, you want to go see the universe? You want to go see something that they cannot teach you or tell you about here or will never, ever tell you about. Come here. Let me show you something. Like I said, this isn't for everybody, but I know this audience, man. I know what my demographics are. If you're a young dude, um, you know, my age, even like you guys are prime. The perversion of the warrior class in this country and in the Western hemisphere is, is, is the prime, prime group of people that definitely should be looking into things like this. If you're interested in it, there's a ton of information out there. Um, if you're looking at this and, and wondering, man, like, I don't know how and where and what to do. Be careful. Obviously, the government still doesn't like this kind of crap because it challenges them. It shows, it shows just how ridiculous the current system is because they've scheduled these things as like schedule one minus ketamine. This is, this is what they do. And we need more and more and more people to see through this, to see beyond what they've had hidden. And I think there is a direct correlation uh, between this, between building a new spiritual renaissance, not only here in America, but throughout the world, and building a new financial system. And that all comes down to communication protocol. I've said it a million times if I've said it once. Bitcoin is, is love and it's coded because you have, to, you have to love people enough to leave them alone. That's it. right? If nobody wants to consent to transact with you, you don't get to transact. It's not a CBDC. It's not the market. It's not the banks. It's not the, the tech giants telling you, you know, or telling everybody who can and can't. No, it's just you. Somebody said um, just recently in a tweet that I retweeted on uh, on Instagram as well um, <clears throat> that you know like it doesn't matter who like Satoshi was at all no nobody no one is important in Bitcoin nobody there's not different rules for different people same thing with psilocybin or or other psychedelics for that matter. Like we have a moment in time right now where these two things go hand in hand and really, really must, must be conjoined if we're going to evolve as a species. And that's where we're at. We're either at evolve or devolve into, you know, chimps that are just going to slaughter each other until one group takes over the other and dominates them for God knows how many thousands of years where we can free ourselves and do something new with the species. I know what side I'm on. So I guess I'll end my, my opening statements here. Like this is a great read. I think it is absolutely uh, a great, and just a great comparison. And I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, like I knew this coming out of one of my trips. I was like, Oh my gosh, this reprogramming, the seeing 
the people who are out there who are ready for the spiritual side of this, of this Bitcoin experience, it's here. I've got it for you. I've got pure, pure power and pure signal. And it comes from psychedelics. And I think we need both of these things at this time more than ever. So without further ado, today's reading from bitcoinmagazine.com. What psychedelics and Bitcoin have in common? As Bitcoiners witness the monetary revolution at hand, a spiritual revolution is underway in the same fashion. July 26, 2022. This is an opinion editorial by Max Mannheimer, a former sales account manager with a background in training and industrial organizational psychology. I'll begin by stating I do not suggest that anyone take psychedelics. Each individual knows what is best for them, and it is not my intent to challenge your free will in any way. If what I have written connects with your life experience, great. If it does not, feel free to ignore every word. But, if you wish to debate about what I am presenting, I would only request you carefully read this article in its entirety. I do not recommend participating in any activity which is illegal where you live and I do not recommend taking psychedelic substances without professional guidance. Psychedelic experiences can be profoundly liberating and inspiring, but they can also be extensively earth-shattering if used without proper preparation. As always, do your own research and use your best judgment. I'm not the first to draw a link between psychedelics and Bitcoin. Articles about billionaire investor Christian Angermeyer have highlighted at least one anecdote of psilocybin mushrooms assisting with the understanding of Bitcoin. However, I believe this won't be the last time we see these two topics mentioned together. If my intuition is correct, we will be seeing many more articles along these lines as Bitcoin and psychedelics both enter the mainstream consciousness. A financial revolution without a spiritual one will fail to create a better world for the majority of life on this planet. A spiritual revolution without a financial one will fail to enact lasting change due to corruption that is built into our current monetary system. Both are needed to fix the world. It is important that we acknowledge this dynamic period in human history holistically and ecologically rather than making blanket statements about quick-fix solutions to the issues that humanity is facing. The Bitcoin community often discusses the potential for a second renaissance. I hear much of the same talk in the psychedelic space. However, the two worlds often don't consider the potential synergies between the two. My hope for this article is to support the ice-breaking process, which has already begun. The 1960s were a time of raging counterculture with no concrete direction. It represented a powerful lashing out against the system that doesn't serve humanity. But after creating a cultural movement and some excellent music, the flame was extinguished by draconian government intervention. Not only did all of the psychedelics get pushed to the black market, but all scientific research was completely halted for about 50 years. Many psychedelics were being used recklessly at the time, but psychedelics were made illegal for a political reason, not health reason. The loss of human progress is impossible to calculate. In my assessment, the heavy-handed prohibition is unraveling before our eyes. Various city and state governments have opted to decriminalize or legalize the use of psychedelics for therapy. 
well-known authors, comedians, and other public figures are openly discussing psychedelics. Netflix is airing documentaries about psychedelics, and many podcasters are covering the topic in a way which would have been shocking 10 years ago. Publicly traded companies are even working on psychedelic pharmaceutical development. More conservative-minded Bitcoiners may pause before seeing this in a positive light, but the data regarding psychedelics' potential for therapeutic use can't be ignored. Therapy using MDMA, the chemical abbreviation for the drug known more commonly as ecstasy or molly, seems to be the most effective way to treat post-traumatic stress disorder in a lasting manner. The Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, MAPS, is moving through U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, to have substances rescheduled. Their Phase three trials have demonstrated 67% of PTSD patients no longer meet the criteria for PTSD two months after their sessions. Even after their fiat fiasco collapses, we'll still need to support these people who were traumatized by it. Note, MAPS accepts donations in Bitcoin. The psychedelics community may have some hesitancy about the Bitcoin community as well. From my interaction with plant medicine enthusiasts, I have gathered that they are a sensitive bunch. I genuinely mean that as a compliment, but sensitivity doesn't always lend itself well to self-identified toxic Bitcoin communities. As a generalization, they are wary of anything that could be used to exclude people and deepen inequality. These concerns are valid, but are often projected onto the Bitcoin life raft rather than the fiat sinking ship. As a result, there isn't a sturdy connection between these two communities, but I am predicting that there could be for a number of reasons. The first bridge is the one that leads towards personal and collective liberation. Psychedelics have the potential to liberate us from old systems of thought and all of the downstream effects. Bitcoin has the potential to liberate us from modern monetary theory and all its downstream effects. Both are interested in reducing violence against humanity. Both are interested in reducing government control over what we decide to put in our bodies. Both carry an inherently egalitarian questioning of authority. The second bridge is the novelty of thought required to understand Bitcoin. As I mentioned in the Bitcoin Customer Service Department, Bitcoin is a complex paradigm-shifting topic. Despite the simplicity of the Bitcoin white paper, understanding all the implication requires a dramatically novel understanding of the world. In Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, the following metaphor is used by Mendel Kalin to explain the effects of psychedelics on the human psyche. Quote, Think of the brain as a hill covered in snow and thoughts as sleds sliding down that hill, as one sled after another goes down the hill. A small number of main trails will appear in the snow, and every time a new sled goes down it, it will be drawn into the pre-existing trails, almost like a magnet. In time, it becomes more and more difficult to glide down the hill on any other path, or in a different direction. Think of psychedelics as temporarily flattening the snow, the deeply worn trails disappear, and suddenly, the sled can go in other directions, exploring new landscapes, and, literally, creating new pathways. End quote. This metaphor is an excellent way to visualize what has been observed in psychedelic patient trials. Neural pathways become more flexible, 
new connections are created that allow for novel thought, understanding, and behavior. Have you ever had the conversation with someone where they fully understand your viewpoint and agreed with everything that you said to see them revert back to their default assumptions a day or two later? That's the snow metaphor in conversation form. The more concrete our neural connections become, the less likely we will be to understand new emergent technologies. The third bridge relates to the counterculture which gravitates around both Bitcoin and psychedelics. Radical rejection of conventional norms seems to be inherent in both ethos. Bitcoiners generally don't accept mainstream media, political corruption, or dishonesty. Psychedelic enthusiasts generally don't accept moralistic arguments, violence, or inauthenticity. Both groups seek fair treatment of humanity. Both groups avoid processed foods. Both groups are opposed to mindless materialistic consumption. Psychedelic enthusiasts are proponents of mediation. And if Bitcoin holders haven't been meditating through the 2020-2022 market, I wouldn't know what else to call it. Psychedelics pose a threat to the authoritarian systems of control because they show users a deeper potential for spirituality and connection with their environment. They enable a novel view of circumstances which allows people to notice that what they are used to may not be the truth. What happened in the 1960s exactly? A ton of young people realized the game they were playing was making them and the rest of society miserable. They dropped out in the hopes of finding a new way to live. Most of the hippies in the 1960s were deeply distrustful of the government and of the fruitless wars politicians were creating. They knew the game was rigged, and the best course of action was to opt out. What are Bitcoiners talking about today? Essentially the same thing. I know that both of these amorphous groups may balk at the fact that I have categorized them into groups at all. They are not really groups, but rather millions of individuals who share common interests and many of whom will never meet. That's the beauty of it. Bitcoiners and psychedelic enthusiasts seem to be under a constant centrifugal force. As soon as I begin to categorize or wrangle them into any semblance of a group identity, they sprawl out even further. They span the full scope of human backgrounds and experience. The propaganda war against psychedelics has largely lumped them together in the mind of the public with dangerous addictive substances. I would recommend a more nuanced approach to understanding drugs and their uses. Every drug is a tool and each has its proper use. To simply ask for any random tool when what you really need is specifically a Phillips head screwdriver, you're unlikely to meet your needs. A closer inspection of each substance will clearly demonstrate that lumping all drugs together simply due to legal status is absurd. The federal government has clearly lost its grip on the war on drugs. In direct opposition to federal drug scheduling laws, Oregon has decriminalized all drugs and made psilocybin mushrooms therapy legal. As Ryan McMakin points out in his recent article, 43% of Americans are currently living in states which have legalized recreational cannabis. Again, in direct opposition to federal drug scheduling laws. If there was a war on drugs, it is fair to say that the drugs have won. Right or wrong, this trend is likely to continue. The continuous lack of understanding regarding drug use in America has had a devastating impact on the psyche and freedom of the country. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world 
and approximately half of our prisoners are locked up for nonviolent offenses. Drugs and alcohol play a critical role in many of the violent offenses as well. Those incarcerations damage families for generations, which ultimately increases future crime rates and use of addictive drugs. Rinse and repeat. The harder we press down on drugs, the more harmful the drugs on the street become. Opium, heroin, Oxycontin, fentanyl. Overdoses have never been worse. The criminal justice system is totally broken and people are suffering. Is it possible that people are turning to these drugs because they are disenfranchised by a system which has done nothing but abuse them since the moment they were born? Don't worry though. Big Pharma has a solution for us. They'll use their Cantillia bucks to lobby for the interest and pay doctors to prescribe psychotropic pharmaceuticals to numb the populace. It's helpful to keep folks docile as we push them back into the massive machine which is crushing their souls. Western medicine really shines when it comes to saving people who are in dire need of intervention, but largely falls flat when it comes to improving quality of life in a sustainable way. In addition to treating PTSD, psychedelics have shown remarkable potential in assisting with anxiety, depression, addiction, birth trauma, and fear of death. I personally have witnessed resolutions of serious physical ailments, which were thought to be permanent medical conditions following ayahuasca ceremonies. Is the result of a plant medicine or is it a result of the plant medicine's ability to unlock human potential and self-healing? In either case, the effects could only be described as miraculous. Due to lengthy prohibition, empirical research in the field is just beginning and the potential benefits are much broader than most realized. As John Sanro argues, in The Mind-Body Prescription, many of the ailments which we think of as physical in nature originate in the emotional body. If used responsibly, psychedelics can create lasting emotional relief which does not require repeated use. Most psychedelics are also non-addictive. Many have said that one profound experience is enough to create a permanent positive impact in one's life. To my knowledge, there are no pharmaceuticals which can make that claim. The understanding of self-interest in human action is a critical component of understanding society. The understanding of which constitutes a self is a critical component of understanding spirituality. As the core of every spiritual practice is the same lesson, the litigious dogma which separates religions simply distracts from that. This has been said at least since Bharat Spinoza, Siri Aurobindo, and Alan Watts. Some have argued that the core spiritual message has been lost since the original teachings of Buddha, Christ, and Muhammad were passed on to their followers. As eloquently discussed by Eckhart Tolle in A New Earth, humanity has simply missed the mark, and that is the origin of suffering. The boundary between our self-interest and the interest of every other form of life is merely a condition of our perspective on the separation. You may discover that acting exclusively is self-interest without any consideration of others gradually becomes self-destructive. Most actions taken for exclusive benefits of others at great personal cost typically prove themselves fruitless as well. There is a good reason for this. In the 2001 book, No Boundary, Ken Wilbner presents a thorough case 
that all separation is simply an illusion. It is my belief that we all get the chance to see through this illusion upon departing the physical realm. But if we can look through the door before permanently crossing the threshold, the broadened perspective can be beneficial to our experience until departure. However, all of these words have little consequence if they are not accompanied by first-hand experience. The metaphor I like to employ for this understanding is the mountain. Throughout human history, the great prophets and the mystics have arduously made their way up the mountain using various methods. Many have done their best to describe the sights, sounds, and viewpoints from the past that they chose. Those who reached the top have seldom had words to describe what was there, and many never make the attempt to explain. That place is not describable to those that have not experienced it. This is true of every aspect of life. How can sight be described to a blind person? How can sound be described to a deaf person? Words ultimately only point to truth. They do not contain truth. Without a shared context of reality, words are empty. What psychedelics may be able to assist with, if the seeker is prepared, is to find a temporary view of various parts of the mountain. The glimpses into those heightened states of consciousness are simply that, glimpses. They do not contain the same value as thousands of hours of meditation, years of yoga, practice, or pilgrimages to holy sites, but the glimpses they provide can be profoundly liberating. To hop in a helicopter and visit the top of the mountain for 15 minutes has the potential to alter your life permanently. The permanency is what many people fear when they hear about psychedelics. But what if the changes that remain with us are largely beneficial to our well-being rather than harmful? What if the expansion of human consciousness is exactly what is needed to slingshot us into the next phase of human evolution? The lowering of time preference alone seems to have a spiritual component, but is it enough to shift human nature away from the darkest parts of our past? The answer will come in the form of individual choice and expression. I want to believe that the separation of money and state will definitely benefit humanity as a whole, but I won't be entirely convinced until I see how it happens. What I would ask from the reader is a gentle approach to both psychedelics and to Bitcoin. You may benefit from listening for the true intent of those you are communicating with, not the intent you may have assumed they have. This speaks true not just for Bitcoin and psychedelics, but for all topics of discussion. The lack of understanding of a topic is not the same as malevolence. Assume the former, even if you suspect the latter, and your ability to support others in learning will improve significantly. Have a nice trip. All right, that was by the source node, which I can't find on Twitter anymore. The, the link to him is broken, so I will not include that tweet. But if anybody knows who the source node was or is, uh, reach out to me and let me know. So they covered a, a lot in this article, and I wanted to first and foremost touch about the, the three things that he talked about, which were overlapping. What Bitcoiners and people who are psychonauts, <laughs> people who experiment even uh, with this kind of stuff, have have in common i guess you know first and foremost you know you, you see astronauts with bitcoin and all that kind of stuff uh hodl knots is what they call them so hodl knots and psychonauts right like we're best we we have overlap 
in a lot of places. Uh, we are we are looking at this a lot of times, I think, from a species uh, and, and not at that granular level that is just, you know, it's very tribal. You know, it, it, it's, it's very much of a, a species level zoom out, look at humanity. And I think that's a really interesting place for, you know, that overlap to begin. But let's, let's talk about, you know, the, the, he talks about the different bridges and the world, uh, you know, that he first talks about in that first bridge is he, it leads to personal and collective liberation. I thought that was, it was pretty profound. The ability to kind of look at old systems and be critical of them is, is a hard thing for a lot of people. And I say that because a lot of times in your family, just think about it, you know, your family, if you grew up in a certain type of religion and let's say you meet somebody outside that religion and you want to get married. So there's a lot of times there's a lot of pushback there. There's a lot of people who are like, well, we got to do this, you know, if we get married, we got to do that. I, I had it in mind, guys. Like, I, be, I became Catholic to marry my wife, and then, like, a year later, we stopped going to church. Like, I was like, are you serious? Like, this, I tried it. We looked at it. I love you. You love me. Can we just continue to, to, to do this kind of stuff and look at this kind of stuff more critically? Um, the, the ability to look at something critically, and I, I will piss a lot of people off with this, and I don't care. Um, looking at the Catholic church and then the Catholic church is one of those places that people don't look at very critically. And I think to the detriment of the people that are going there. I mean, if you think for a second that the Catholic church and all of its riches is doing the work of God here on earth, I got news for you. I don't think it is. I think it's up to some extremely nefarious things. I think it's a hangout. Uh, for guys that like to do a lot of touching of little boys or little girls for that matter, pedophilia. I, I, I know what happens. I know that they move priests around. I, I know. The fact that you're hoarding as much of that wealth as you are and still preaching, quote unquote, the gospel, I think is absolutely one of the, I don't know, biggest red flags for me. So the ability to question these old cultural norms and to be fair about it and then to kind of exercise some rational thought and do what's in in your best judgment whether it's you know this idea idea of egalitarian or this nonsense about democracy being good like no this is the idea that we a civilized society has to be taxed is 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 the, the idea is profoundly ignorant and understanding of what civilized people should be doing. Civilized people live in a consentful world. They don't live in a world where you point guns at each other and demand things from each other and steal and murder and start wars and do all this other crap, right? For me, you know, to, to be able to, to look at, you know, the American flag, man, it hurts me these days. I don't, I don't care. Honestly, you know, and, the, and this might piss some other people off. There was, we had a storm out here last night that just was bonkers. Super high winds, things down all over the place. And I went, I went for my regular four mile hike today and I passed this house and on their front porch, there was an American flag that had been bent out of shape by the storm that was laying on the ground. I will tell you 20 something years ago, I would have gone over there, taken their flag, wrapped it up for them, probably folded it, 
put it on their front porch until they could fix it. And today, man, that flag absolutely means nothing to me. In fact, it literally pisses me off because of what it says it's what they say it stands for versus what it actually stands for. The most corrupt empire of murdering, thieving bastards on earth. Period. Without a doubt. And that will make some people absolutely furious. Go over and fight a war. Go see what they're doing. Go over to Ukraine. Go over to go over to the Middle East. Throw an American flag on and let those people tell you about like what you've done in their countries. What the American empire has done there. All right, so the, the, the first ability to look critically at the world around you. Bitcoin and psychedelics will help you do that. I'm not saying we need to tear everything down, but Jesus Christ, if it is a system that is built on force and coercion, if it is one of those that takes from people, that exists to take resources, to take life, man, that's something we can cut out as a human species very very fast. All right, the second one. I won't belabor these too long. The second bridge was the novelty of thought required to understand Bitcoin. Um, and I thought this was pretty interesting. It, it, Bitcoin is, it's, it is extremely complex. Absolutely. You know, in, in terms of the, the amount of everything that it touches, we say 21 million divided by everything for a reason, because if it's the world reserve currency and you transact, the entire world is going to be divided by 21 million Bitcoin. What do you want? What do you need? How do you get it? 21 million Bitcoin. That's it. And it touches every interaction we will have. The great thing that it does is it cuts out that middleman. It cuts out those remittance centers. All of them. It's just you. You're your own bank now. And that other person or that other business, they're their own bank now. We don't need banks anymore. This changes everything. If we're looking at this and, and, and psychedelics, the complexity of psychedelics, the human mind, the greatest computing system that was ever devised by nature. This incredible computer that you can, can t- upload some psilocybin into and go check out some things that aren't even present, that show you some things that are some of the best traits of humanity to become more studied in them in this very, very complex paradigm shifting way is something that I think that he, he absolutely knocks out of the park about changing your mind, adapting, overcoming, getting rid of waste, which let's face it, I mean, when we look at the system, when we look at this quote-unquote civilized society that we live in, how much waste, fraud, and abuse is carried out by the banks and by the government and by the industrial society that is propped up by them. The MIC alone is corrupt as the day is long, trust me. Like This is one of those things that shows you, hey, look, 
you can cut out the decay. You can cut out the waste. You can cut out fraud. You can cut out force. You can cut out so much if you will just change your mind. There's no, I don't know. There's no glory in hanging on to things that didn't work. There's no glory in hanging on to a patriotism that was pegged to a flag that went over and slaughtered tons and tons and tons of people in the Middle East. There's no glory in any of that crap. The, the, the generations to come are going to look at us like we were psychopaths. I mean, just knuckle-dragging idiots. Why didn't you guys cut that out when you had the chance? Well, you had to kill the banking system first. We had to kill this industrial complex system that we had. We had to kill you know, the centralization of government. It's amazing to me. Just, just amazing. You put this kind of stuff in front of people, and that's the possibility that we have on the horizon. And the last, and maybe you know, the I don't know. Let's just say least important. Uh, important is this counterculture um, that they share. Bitcoin and psychedelics definitely share a counterculture. And interestingly enough, you know, whether it's media or politics or whatever. You know, it's it's one of those things where we are a lot of times overlapping in just huge swaths. If you're looking at reforming, you know, the criminal justice system, Bitcoin and psychedelics are both there. The decentralization effect that Bitcoin is going to have in terms of bringing what's acceptable in your neighborhood and what's not acceptable in your neighborhood back to your neighborhood instead of putting it in DC or somewhere even further away. Same thing. People in the psychedelic space, man, they want that right there. They want to be able to talk to the people, you know, that are their sheriffs, that are their mayors and decriminalize and make it a right. Absolutely. I mean, this, this goes in and out of so many different things. Like I said, you know, as soon as you as soon as you drive that wedge and you understand that fiat money touches every interaction that we possibly have, and there's a third party to it who wants either their cut or they want us to do it their way instead of by you know the agreement of two consenting adults who aren't hurting anybody. As soon as you start to understand that that's what's at stake and you can cut that crap out, you start to go, oh yeah, you know what? This is actually pretty pretty good. And I'll tell you. A lot of the people in these spaces, whether that's psychedelics or Bitcoin, are some of the smartest damn people I've ever met. You want to know, I mean, like, yeah, I, I can tell you right now from, and I've said it a million different times, how smart are the people in Bitcoin? How, you know, young and smart are these people that are rejecting a system because it robs them day in and day out of generational wealth? And they said, no more. I will tell you right now, the people that I have met in the psychedelic space that are the shaman types that have studied this stuff at nauseum. And I mean studied because here's the problem. Like if you're doing this wrong with mushrooms or other things, there is a real potential for hazard, like death. Don't get me wrong. This is important. If you don't know psychedelics well, you shouldn't touch them, period. You should be with somebody who has studied them in extreme depth, knows where they've come from, 
knows how they grow them, knows how to supplement them into your life, whatever way that is, whether it's microdosing or taking really large doses. And knowing the application and the science behind these things, that's what's required. If that's not what you're willing to do for, to, to like broaden your mind, you got, man, you shouldn't be touching psychedelics at all. T- don't just buy them from a guy that's like, yeah, man, we went out to the cow pasture and picked these out of the, look, you're probably going to be okay. But at the same time, I'm not going to be that person that says, yeah, go that route. So moralistically, uh, just understand that's, that's my disclaimer. Like this, this group of people, this counterculture of psychedelics, they have like there's a there's a necessity for study. There's a necessity to pour yourself into this kind of stuff because if you don't, then you could wind up with tragedy on your hands. But I think we're gonna call it a day there. Um, like I said, I'll be back a couple more times this week because I owe you guys a makeup episode. And I appreciate everybody who's tuned in. This was one of those where I was like, man, I didn't want to do everything uh, that was doom and gloom. I'll, I'll save that for later on in the week uh, with the banking collapse and everything that's going on out there. But uh, for Radical and myself, that's it for the day. Thank you guys. Hope to see you down in uh, Miami. And I also hope to see you guys at the Great Create. If you're around, come up, say hello. I promise I'm a pretty friendly guy in person. So anyway, hope you guys have a great Monday and the rest of the week. Until next time, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, Don't hurt people and don't take this stuff.